So in 14 days, my daughter in Houston, Joy, will give birth to our third grandchild because it's an inducted, a scheduled induction. I can say it with confidence unless he or she decides to come early. Um, but then on, uh, in 35 days, we are going to get up on Christmas morning and celebrate, and then we're all going to head to the airport, and we're going to get to meet that little one in person. And so there's this um, presence longed for now that will be presence fulfilled then. And, you know, that's, that's just the way it works, right? That's, we're, we're going to... We're going to do this because grandparents, you would crawl across hot stones to get to your grandkids, right? You would do whatever you want to do to get to them, to be with them. So it's not uncommon for us when we gather at a holiday or any time, if there's all of us together or some of us together, Christy will line out, you know, we're going to do this, this, and this. Are you good with that? I'm like, I don't care. Just the fact that we're all together is great. You know, I'll eat whatever you tell me to eat. I'll go wherever you want to go. I'm just thrilled that we're all together and we're hanging out because that's that longing that has been, that presence that has been longed for that will be presence fulfilled. And that's what we're going to see today in the text in Exodus. We're going to see this beautiful demonstration of what Moses says about God's presence, something that he longed for. And that wasn't fully fulfilled in the sense that you and I share in. So if you've got your Bible, go to Exodus 33 here. And welcome to those of you worshiping online with us. Quick review of where we've been. This is the second to last week, if you can believe that, in the series. And where we've come just recently is that, you know, they've been set free. They're not slaves any longer. They're in the wilderness. They're in the desert. Uh, they get to Mount Sinai. Moses, the leader, goes up to get instruction, and he's way longer than they expected. And they panic. They rip off their gold, throw it in the fire, and bam, out jumps the calf that they worship. Moses gets super fired up and mad at his brother and them. And it's like, what are you doing? And here we are in chapter 33, verse 1. That's, that's where we find ourselves. The Lord then says to Moses, Depart, go up from here, and you and the people whom you've brought up out of the land of Egypt to the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, to your offspring, I will give it. I'll send an angel before you, and I'll drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Would you say angel with me? So you see that word in the verse 2? I'll send an angel before you. So... Here's what's just been said. And this is such a demonstration of God's grace and mercy because chapter 34 that we're gonna get to in a moment is a statement about God's mercy and grace because he's giving them a second chance. Because remember when he, Moses comes down, he like smashes the tablets and it's like, what are you doing? And, then, and we're gonna see this renewal of covenant coming. And what he's just said to Moses is, all right, Get, get them together and go. And I'm going to drive out all the ites from the land. Well, that represents the land flowing with milk and honey. All those ites represents the promised land. All the ites represent the good life of blessing upon blessing upon blessing, which you would think Moses would be like, great, Whew, let's do this, let's go. 
But because he says, I'm going to send an angel with you before you, there's a different reaction, as you can imagine. So in verses 3 to 10 that we're going to skip over, and we're going to drop back in in verse 11, there, there's, a, there's this, you know, in those verses, this Moses is going into the tent of meeting where God meets with him, and everybody comes out of their tent and looks down the street, and they're watching, and they're like, wow, this is crazy, and they know God is with him. And then in verse 11, we hear this. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face. As a man speaks to his friend. When Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant, Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. And so Moses said to the Lord, verse 12, you say to me, bring up this people, but you've not let me know whom you'll send with me. Yet you've said, I know you by name, and I've also found favor. You found favor in my sight. So therefore, if I found favor in your sight, Please show me now your ways that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider too that this nation is your people. Now check out verse 14. And he said, my presence will go with you and I'll give you rest. And he said to him, if your presence will not go with me, don't bring us up from here. Let's just pause for a moment. I want you to, I want you to feel what's going on. I want, I want you to see something that's not obvious. In the second line, last word, you, it's not singular. I mean, it's not plural. It is singular. He is saying to Moses, I'm gonna go with you. I'm gonna go with you and give you rest. And so you can see why Moses is like, hey, listen, thank you, but how about y'all? <laughs> how about us going together? Because we don't wanna go anywhere that you're not going because without you, we're toast. So this word, Presence is, it's the Hebrew pane, and it has the sense of face, like to be before. And it feels like there's a lot of contradiction going on in the text because it's saying that he's meeting with Moses face to face. And we're gonna hear later that no man can see God face to face lest he die. And like, what's, what's in play here? What Moses is saying in the, at the gut of all of this is this. I would rather have you in the wilderness than to go into the promised land without you. You with me? He's saying, as bad as it is out here in all of this desert, hot, alone, ugh, I'd rather stay right here if you're gonna be with us than to go to this wonderful Disneyland, promised land with milk and honey if you're not going with us. That's a powerful statement because the presence he longed for is the presence that we now live in the fulfillment of. And this is why I love Old Testament passages that really support the gospel and, and like pull us out of our familiarity because what we've done well, we've done poorly. What I mean by that is this. In our Baptist life, and our evangelical life, and our Bible-believing life, we have rightly said that through Christ, we can know God intimately. And that the God of the universe has, has welcomed us into relationship with him. But when we forget that the one who says, come to me through Christ, is the all-consuming fire, then we make him too familiar. We make him too cozy. Yes, he's Abba Father, he's Daddy. But Daddy made everything. Daddy's in charge of the universe. And that's what makes, frankly, the all-consuming fire and the, un, the inability to see him face to face is what makes this all so like, what? Are you kidding me? 
Wow, this is good. And it bothers me when I and we yawn at that. Because we know it so well. And Thanksgiving week and into Christmas month, Advent, it's a great time to reconnect with a gratitude and a thankfulness. You're gonna all do it this week. You're gonna have your little deal, hope, where you go around the table, I'm thankful for. If you've never done that, it's a great practice. Your kids will roll their eyes, but they'll do it with their kids one day, okay, <laughs> right? I'm thankful for, I'm thankful for. Maybe this year you could say, I'm just thankful for what Pastor Alex was saying, that the one who spoke the heavens into existence that the scripture describes as a fire welcomed me into relationship through Christ when I confessed my sins and was born again. Like, I just want to be like a little kid who has a white beard and no hair. I want to be like this freaky little kid with white hair, right? That was a weird description. Yeah, I think you got what I was trying to say. I want to be like an older 58-year-old who was offered the senior discount at Sports Clips yesterday. And I was like, what? How old do you have to be? 65? I was like, no. Uh, but anyway... <laughs> I'm not, I'm over it. It's all good. Okay, so <laughs> I want to be like that older-ish person who has like a childlike faith. I want to be 95, Lord willing, someday if Jesus is not back yet that still says, can you believe the gospel? Wow, this is so good. Moses says, I'd rather have you in the wilderness with me than to have promised land without you. Verse 16, look at it. Is it not in your going with us so that we're distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, this very thing that you've spoken, I'll do, for you found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. And so Moses said, he's just going for it now. Show me your glory. You kind of, it's like he's getting a little, you feel like he's getting greedy, but it's good. Like he, like Show me your glory. Well, hasn't he shown him his glory? Like this whole pillar of fire and cloud thing? He wants more. And so he says, I'll make all my goodness pass before you and I'll proclaim before you my name, the Lord, and I'll be gracious to whom I'll be gracious and I'll show mercy on whom I'll show mercy, but you can't see my face for man shall not see me and live. What? I thought, I thought he was like, gonna do this. I thought we were, we were going face to face. Remember that it's, that, it's that way of saying there's intimacy, there's friendship, there's presence, but it's not like I've pulled off the, you know, the, the veil and allowing you to see me fully for who I am because if I were to do so, you would die. I mean, think, think about that for a moment. He says, so I'm, gonna, I'm gonna graciously and gently protect you. So the Lord says, verse 21, look, there's a place by me where you can stand in the rock. And while my glory passes by, I'll put you in a cleft of the rock and I'll cover you with my hand until I've passed by. Then I'll take away my hand and you'll see my back, but my face you won't see. And so just understand this. This is, this is the writer making it clear to us that it's not like... God has this freakishly large hand, right? Have you ever shaken somebody's hand who has like his 
just this stupid big hand. And then as a man, I've shaken people's hand like that. And I'm like, I'm a man, but I'm like, I feel like a child in the grip of this man's hand. It's just crazy. Somebody told me between services, they got to shake Shaquille O'Neal's hand once. I was like, that, wow, right? So, so it's not like God has this massive hand. It's this way of, of, of humanizing his presence as he passes by to say, through my hand's shielding, I will protect you for your own sake. I know you've asked to see my glory, but you can't handle this. You can't handle the truth, right? You can't handle all of my glory in this moment. So I will protect you in the moment. And then in chapter 34, jump over there in verse five, he, he fulfills this. He keeps his word. Look at it. The Lord descended in the cloud and he stood with him there and he proclaimed to him the name of the Lord. Now, let's just pause for a second. He proclaims him the name of the Lord. He is gonna show him his glory in the revealing of his name. How, how, did, he do, how did he do it? Was it through the, you know, like the, like pulling back some kind of power and like him letting see behind the curtain of Oz or something? No, there was no buzzing. There was no thundering. There was no shaking. It was the proclamation. It was the saying. It was the declaring of his name. Just his name. And we know Hebraically that when you hear the name in scripture, it means this is who this person is. That's why all through the scripture, people get new names. You were that, but you're now this because you met me in the journey. And now your name means this. And God says to him in this awesome moment, I am the Lord, the Lord. I'm a God merciful and gracious. As I said earlier, there's a chapter 34 because he's merciful. I'm gonna renew this covenant with you. We're gonna start over. I'm slow to anger and I'm abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. What has he just done there? What has he just done in this this proclaiming of his name. I mean, it's one thing when you say, hi, my name is, you know, Larry Jones. But he slowly unpacks this, I am slow to anger, I'm abounding in this, and this is, what's he doing? He truly is showing Moses and speaking to Moses. Yahweh, the Lord, the Lord, this is what he's like. This is his character, and this passage will be repeated all through the Old and the New Testament because it's this foundational text that says, this is who I am. I believe it was yesterday, I told Christy, I said, we need to go to the state fair next year. She's like, huh? We've never been to the, oh, I said, well, yes, we have. Our first date was at the state fair. And she goes, oh, oh yeah. yeah. And uh, I was like, nice comeback. I went to the state fair nine years in a row as a kid. We, they let us out of school early in Smithfield to go. But in uh, 84 or five, I went to the state fair with Christy Alexander. And at the top of a Ferris wheel that is now in a junkyard somewhere, I hope, um, <laughs> I, yeah, <laughs> I held her hand. And, and she told me later, she goes, that was a little forward. 
I was like, I was just holding your hand. She goes, it was our first date. I was like, it was just a foretaste, right? Because you know how affectionate I am. But you know what happened in the days following, the weeks following after that bold move of holding her hand at the top of the Ferris wheel at State Fair? I began to tell her my heart. And she started to share with me her heart. My heart, her heart, her heart, my heart, back and forth. And that, that handhold was just a step in that direction. Because when we begin to say our name, we begin to share who we are. And God is so good and kind to us in this text in telling us that he is merciful and gracious and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, which hased, that Hebrew word that speaks to loyalty, like I am with you, I am with you, I'm with you. And he says, I'll keep love to thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on their kids and the kids' kids and third and the fourth generation. What? If you're listening to that, you're going, that sounds like God's like doing this amazing thing and he's talking out of both sides of his mouth, right? That's where a skeptic could go, your God is a sham. I forgive the iniquity and transgression of sin, but I'm not gonna clear the guilty and I'm gonna visit the iniquity of the fathers to the third and the fourth generation. So what gives? What gives? It's not an inconsistency at all. If you think about the third and the fourth generation, every generation is responsible for what they do with the Lord. Each generation not held responsible for what daddy did. There are times when you have generational curses in your past when you have to deal with those things. And when you ask for forgiveness in your life and in your time and in your generation, the God, our, the God we worship does forgive us down the line. And so there's no inconsistency at all. It's showing us in the moment, though, that he is a holy God and that he'll deal with sin justly and it's not to be winked at or trivialized, but sin, although that, that three-letter word is a four-letter word in our culture today, right? But it's still true. And God looks at sin so soberly that he gave his son on a cross to die for our sins so that we could be forgiven, be born again, have a new life and a hope and a future so there's the goodness of that. But thankfully, the story doesn't end with Exodus 34. Jesus takes that tension and brings so much clarity to it. In John's gospel, in the first chapter, there is this unfolding of a Exodus 34 narrative that really shows us that Moses could get them this, this far and only Christ could get them to the finish line because a presence longed for is a presence fulfilled in Christ. Listen to what John 1, 17 says. The law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And no one has seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He's made him known. So Moses, as this one who received the law, that's as far as he could get us. But Christ came full of grace and truth and says, I'm the fulfillment of the law and it's, it has served its purpose and we're not doing away with it. I fulfilled it and it's good. It was just pointing to me. It was making much of me. So Jesus takes that tension 
and just diffuses it. Listen to John 17, 6. I've manifested your name to the people whom you've given me out of the world. Listen to John 14, 9. Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Listen, what we take as yawn, so overknown truth, is shocking to the Hebrew mind. John's gospel is still full of this Jewish life all around it. Jesus is saying something to them that's like, huh, what? Jesus is saying, how can you say, show me the Father? If you've, guys, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. They're thinking Hebraically like, you mean like Exodus, all of that? Like we can't see him face to face and live? And you're saying, if we've seen you, we've seen him and yet we're breathing? Like what's up with that? It was shocking, it was life-changing. It split human history, B.C., A.D. It did all of those things because Jesus is taking the tension out of this to say, yeah, that's the way it was, but it's not that way now. Moses couldn't quite grasp it, but we see clearly now to a point of what Christ has done for us where Moses could only see the backside of God's glory we see Jesus. So I'm saying all this to say that the presence and power live in the name of God. This Yahweh, Yahweh, Lord, Lord, and now in Christ. So there is something about the spoken name, the speaking of a name. Remember, when God passed in front of him, he didn't just rattle him or thunder him or jolt him. There was the speaking of his name. So two texts, a lot of you know, this may be brand new to others, but listen to Acts 4.12. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which men may be saved. There's the name. Philippians 2.9, therefore God has exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There is something happening in this moment. It is more than just like, let's make a great movie. God is showing humanity who he is through his spoken name. It's powerful but it was something that Moses could only long for in fullness that we now enjoy. When, when Lexi was born, we held her in front of a computer and let her meet her big sister who was on study uh, in Spain and then hung up and let her meet her big brother who was on study in Norman, Oklahoma. But, and, and they loved it. It was great. It was sweet. Holding up this little five-pound, you know, <laughs> little sis, you know. But when they got home eventually and walked in the front door and got to hold her and, like, see her and, and speaking her name to her of, of Lexi, it was a whole other level of good, a whole other level of awesome. But I want you to notice something happens in verse 8 that can only be the proper response. Look at it. What does verse 8 say? It says, Moses quickly bowed his head toward the earth and he worshiped. You know, there's a certain point where you stop asking questions because Moses has been going, you know, he's going big. He's asking, like, show me your glory and do all this. And there are times in our walk with him where you just 
stop talking and you stop asking and you stop negotiating and you just, you bow your head and you worship. And it didn't hit me until the, literally at this point in the first service, the third word. It's just, he quickly bowed his head. There was no worship pastor saying, okay, everybody sing a little louder. There was no pastor saying, is anybody gonna say amen once in this whole day? You know, there was, there was none of that going on because the presence of God was so real and so thick that Moses just shut up and stopped negotiating in that moment and he bowed his head, but he bowed his head quickly. And I saw this at a cartoon forum over the weekend. I've watched The King three times in three days because I have a four-year-old that lives with us now. It's a great movie about the coming of Christ. It's such a sweet little movie, The King. And at the end of the movie, there's this donkey in the movie who's this adorable character who's leading the animals. And there's a moment when somebody says, what's his name? And she says, Jesus. And there's this, like an, like an old wave that we used to do in the stadiums where you go, woo, and you go around the stadium and all that jazz. And there's this thing it, around the, the stable and the animals are super cool because it's like their legs go out and everybody bows, you know, from, anim, from beast to man, they're all bowing before him. And I know I'm so cheesy, but I get choked up and it's a cartoon, but it's a cartoon based on the reality of, of God's word. That, that there's a time coming when we will see him face to face. <laughs> Think about that for a second. We see him through his word. He speaks to us and that's good. We have something that Moses longed for but never fully, you know. But now in Christ we see dimly but then face to face and we'll bow. It's gonna be awesome. And that gives us hope as we walk through these days that our highs and lows are tragic and triumphant. But there'll be a day when all that's gone and the tear and the sorrow and the pain and the grief is over and we'll behold him for who he is. Clearly, fully, amen. So let's pray. Father, we bow our hearts before you. We bow our bodies and our hearts before you. And we pray that you would be glorified in this time, that you would speak to us in a way that is clear with your presence. And friend, I want to ask you, if you're at home or if you're in the car, if you're out of state or out of country or you're sitting on the front row here, is there a promise, is there a truth, something from the text today that really got your attention, that encouraged you? Just talk to the Father about that for a moment. Give thanks for that, would you? Go for it.